Thank you for being here this evening. I appreciate you uh, being in your place tonight. I want us to see something. Uh, I think that will help us. We're going to be in Exodus chapter number 10 tonight, and <coughs> I want to help us. <coughs> a lot of times, I, if you're like me, you read through the Bible, and you'll see certain stories or certain truths or certain things that are going on, and it just amazes me the way people respond. It amazes me how they react to certain things in the scripture. <clears throat> and then something helped me. <clears throat> I became a pastor. I started working in ministry. And I realized something. It's not just the Bible. Uh, and it's not just, you know, we think, well, it's not bad. It's us. The things that we will do, and it's just like we don't get the message. And I want us to see something tonight that I've always <clears throat> thought of as I've read through this story many, many times, and I finally got to the point like, hey, that'd be a mess. There's a message in here somewhere, and let's share it tonight. And so I want us to look at this story, and I want to draw a truth from it I, I think will help us if we will, um, if we will apply it in our life. <clears throat> we know this story well of Moses going into Egypt and then the, the plagues. The specific story we have deals with the eighth plague upon Egypt, and there was 10 in total. Um, you could pick most any of the plagues, and, and the little scenario I'm going to lay out for most all of them would, would be the same. It's almost like, you know, it's like here's the pattern, right? And the pattern seems to repeat itself after each and every plague. What were the plagues? <clears throat> they were a series of divine judgments that God brought upon Moses and Egypt to try to get Pharaoh, uh, uh, that, to try to get Pharaoh to release God's people, let them go out of Egypt so God could get them into the land he had promised them many years ago, the promised land, Canaan. Uh, there were 10 plagues. And I find it interesting that, that <coughs> they all have a significance, and uh, almost all, but I believe one, have a significance uh, as you pit them against some of the false gods of Egypt. The water into blood was the first plague. That targeted the Egyptian god Happy, who was the god of the Nile. Of course, the Nile was turned into blood. Then we have the frogs. Uh, that challenged the authority of the frog-headed goddess Heket. And I might mispronounce some of these names. Then we had the, the plague of the lice. It targeted, uh, this one really highlighted the distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And then there was the plague of all of the flies, which targeted the god uh, Uachit, who was symbolized by the symbol of a fly. And then we had the disease upon the livestock, which uh, challenged the authority of Hathor, who, one of the false gods, who was often depicted as a cow, and if you're a female de deity to be depicted as a cow, is probably not very, uh, not very nice, okay? Boils. There was painful boils upon the Egyptians and their animals, which targeted the, the, the god uh, Sekhmet, who was associated with plagues. And then the hail and fire, of course, that targeted, they had a, they had a sky goddess, Nuit, and, and Geb, the, the earth god. Then we had the locust. Uh, that may have targeted the god o Osiris, who was associated with crops. And of course, darkness, that's an easy one. That would target the god Ra, the sun god. And then, of course, the death of the firstborn, if you think about it, Pharaoh, in essence, was a, a small g deity in Egypt. And it targeted his son, who would be the Pharaoh, 
someday, and of course, all the firstborn of the land. But if you look at the different, the different plagues here, here's a basic order of events, right? Moses goes in, tells Pharaoh, God says, let the people go. Pharaoh says, no, never going to happen. Moses says, here's, here, there's going to be a plague. Pharaoh says, get out of here. Uh, Moses leaves. There's a plague. Pharaoh calls for Moses and says, okay, 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 let's fix this. Uh, and sometimes he says, you can, uh, you know, I'm thinking about letting you go. The plague goes away, and Pharaoh says, no way. And then Moses comes back. It's almost like rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, 10 times. There are minus, minor differences, but that's the basic framework. And God was using these plagues to, to demonstrate his power and against the false gods of Egypt, and he eventually worked and led them <coughs> to their freedom from, his, from uh, Egypt and slavery. But what I want to look at... <coughs> in the story of the night, and what I've always thought about is this. Why did it take so long for Pharaoh to get it? Think about that thought. Why did it take so many devastating plagues? You realize when he left, the land was in shambles because of the plagues. The people were hurting. Their economy was torched. And yet it took 10 plagues <clears throat> the last plague being the firstborn of all the animals and also of all of the people before he finally got it. But what I want us to see is that <clears throat> before Pharaoh got it, and God had to use the worst case scenario to get Pharaoh to get it, and even then Pharaoh reneged on his thing and tried to go get him in the Red Sea. But people started to get it. Look at verse 7. <clears throat> and Pharaoh's servant said unto him, Finally, someone had the guts to say it, right? How long shall this man be a, spare, a snare unto us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord. Here's what they say. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? He's saying, Pharaoh, don't you get it? How long are we going to have to keep going through this? Don't you understand? The whole land is destroyed. Everything's a mess. Get them out of here. Even after Pharaoh said they could go, if you look at Exodus chapter 12 and verse 33, he says, and the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out. Even when he finally said they can go, it's like, hey, what's taking so long? Get out of here. But yet Pharaoh had to go through problem after problem after problem before he finally really Got it. And the fact of the matter is, he probably never really did get it. <clears throat> you know what boggles my mind? <clears throat> As someone who has been in church work for a long time, that's been a Christian for a long time, how many people have had things that they have brought into their life, things that have come into their life, and there's a bunch of negative consequences, and yet they don't get it. They just keep pushing on. And the consequences only stack up, and the consequences only intensify. And I've seen way too many lives ruined. <clears throat> I've seen people that have lost everything in their life. I've seen people that have lost their marriages, people that have lost their fa families, people that have lost futures, simply because they just wouldn't get it. You usually don't go from here down to the bottom, whatever that is, right away. There's usually steps involved. And God tries to, if you're a Christian, God will try to get your attention. And yet, we can ignore it. 
we can <coughs> kind of just push those signs to the side. And if we're not careful, things go from bad to worse. Now, what's that for us today? There would be things that we would want to look for and guard against in our lives so that when God is trying to work on us, we will allow him to work on us. See, it never stops, it never, stop, it never starts with one bad step of obedience or one uh, situation where we put ourselves in a problem. It usually starts with a, a few little things. And as those little things start to add up, it becomes a big thing and it becomes a part of our life. And I, I hate to say it, it almost gets to where we, we get used to the negative things that are happening in our life when God has something so much better for us. God wants something so much better for us. And so I want us tonight to look at this so we can be on guard and never get to the place we are, where we are so complacent with the bad things or negative things that are going on in our life to where we'll just keep, like Pharaoh, we'll just keep churning through it. And we won't allow God to do anything in our life. And so I find a few things that we need to watch for because <coughs> these are the things that kept Pharaoh from getting it. Here's the first one. <coughs> because of a hardened heart. Look at verse 1, and let me explain this to you. <clears throat> and the Lord said unto Moses, go in unto Pharaoh. Now, again, this is not the first plague. You can look back throughout the other plagues. I'm just choosing to use this one. But he says, for I have hardened his heart. Now, lest we misunderstand that, God didn't say, go back into Pharaoh because I'm going to cause him to not listen to you. That's not what he said. Go back into Pharaoh and I'm going to change his heart so that he will want this to come upon him. That's not what he said. What did he say? I'm going to harden his heart. That word means to make firm. It's like this. <clears throat> When we were children, remember when, we, when I was in grade school, they had us do a little pottery class. Any of you ever do that? And, and we do this little pottery, and it's all soft, and, you know, you keep it wet, and you mold it to what you want it to do, and then what do you do after you make it? You set it to the side. They couldn't afford fire at our place. And you would let it set overnight, and what would happen? It would harden or become firm in whatever we molded it into. See, that's what God did to Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh didn't want to let him go. Pharaoh didn't want to listen to God. Pharaoh's heart was already there, and God said, I'm just making it firm right there where he put it. So there's personal responsibility there. But his heart got hard, and God just said, fine, we'll just make sure that he leaves it there. Now, what is that for us? We, 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 the point is when we start to get to where we're making a string of bad decisions or we're ignoring God and what God's trying to do in our life, you can get hardened in that state because you are continually putting your heart there. And by the way, the more you say no, the harder it gets. People don't start off with a hard heart. By the way, have you ever noticed <clears throat> children in grade school, they almost always will not reject the gospel. You know why? Their heart, hasn't been, their heart hasn't been fed a bunch of stuff that would harden it against the gospel. Very rare. 
I remember one time I was, we were out <coughs> soul winning. <coughs> I was out of house and a girl, she was probably uh, maybe ninth or 10th grade. And I was just talking to her about the gospel and she, I thought she was gonna get saved. And, and she all of a sudden just gave me a bunch of excuses. She, it was a bunch of nonsense. It was stuff that was fed to her, lines that were fed to her. And I thought, man, that's, that's sad. But we need to be careful because as we start to believe these things, our heart get, can get hard. And don't make a mistake about it. Most of the problems we have in our life are because of the bad decisions that we make. And if we continue to make those bad decisions, what we're doing is we're confirming it in our lives. We see the consequences of our bad decisions and our heart can, starts to be hardened so that we continue down that path and then we make even more hard decisions. Here's the point. If God speaks to you about something, answer him right away. Answer him right away. Because the, the, the more times you tell God no, let me just tell you this, the easier it is to say no. If you come to church and God never speaks to you heart, that's a danger sign. I don't think you need to necessarily, I, I don't, we're, this isn't, we, we have the altar when God speaks to our heart to come down. If we want to come down every time, that's great. But, but sometimes God really just kind of thumps you. How many know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, I got that one, Lord. And, and some of us, God speaks to us and we wouldn't come down to the altar if it was littered with gold coins. And by the way, just so you know, it never will be littered with gold coins. If it is, it'll be the foil ones that are candy, okay? The point is, when God speaks to us, the best time to listen is the first time we hear it. Because the more we say no, the easier it is to get away. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 28, <clears throat> verse 14 says, Happy is a man that feareth always. We understand about the fear of the Lord. But he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. It's amazing that that, that when we're confronted by what we're doing and God's speaking to our heart and we refuse to, to listen, in essence, we're starting to become more resolved to do those things. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1 says, He that being off reproved hardeneth his neck, in a sense it's the same type of thing, you're not listening, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. We've heard of the reproofs of life. Sometimes God just brings things into our way to say, hey, what you're doing isn't good. How are we going to respond at that time? So it's because of a hardened heart. Be careful. That's the worst case scenario. Now, it's first in order of, uh, here on the, on the list here, but if we blow through the other things, our heart's going to get harder and harder, and it's good to have a soft heart. We want that. <clears throat> Secondly, <laughs> because of enabling companions, because of enabling companions. Verse one, not only did he harden his heart <clears throat> and the heart of his servants that I might show these my signs before him. Now I will give his companions half a credit because later on they're the first ones to speak up and say, okay, I think after eight plagues, it's time to tap out. Let's get moving on with this thing. But before then, they were all sitting there and they were all on board. Nobody had the guts to stand up and say, can I tell you something, Pharaoh? We have a mess here. Maybe we might want to get them out of the land. You know, what do they say? Silence is complicity. 
And I know it's a political thing or whatever, but, but sometimes we need some, we need, you know what we need? We need friends that'll stand up to us. That's what we need. Many of his servants were just like him. Who you are around will greatly determine how you listen to truth, how you react towards God. Have you ever noticed that? Let me say this. <clears throat> if you're hanging around people that, would, that never say anything spiritual, and I mean sometimes work people, you know what I'm talking about, our closest companions. <clears throat> they never say anything spiritual that would never step up and say something if you started to go a wrong direction. You are hanging around the wrong people. Let me ask you this. Are, would you be comfortable if a good companion of yours came up and said, can I just tell you something? You know, this thing you're doing here just as your friend, I'm just telling you, I don't think that's good for you. Now, by the way, <clears throat> I'm not telling everybody here you're the spiritual police now. Well, I got 12 people. I know. And those 12 people have something they want to tell you. I'm talking about your buddies, your close companion that really cares about you. That, that when they would say something, they would say it because that's not what they want to do. It's because they care about you. Right? I've had people come, many people, and I, I, I don't need this because I'm, I'm not around you all the time. But they'll say, hey, pastor, if you ever see anything in my life that you feel is not right, just tell me. And I don't need you to come tell me that. Okay? <clears throat> and I very rarely go to people, and I'll notice people sometimes, and they may be doing something that they're like, it's not my business. But sometimes I'll have some of them that I'm really super close to. And I might say, hey, have you ever thought about this? But we have to be very careful. I want friends, here's the point. I want friends that challenge me to spirituality, not challenge spirituality. Does that make sense? I want to have the kind of friend that like, hey, if I said, let's go soul winning, they'd say, what? Like, let's go. I want a friend that I'm like, hey, we ought to go to the rest home. That like, hey, I'll go. You know, hey, let's go to, let's do this. I'll go. That's the kind of friends I want. And that's the kind of friend I want to be. <clears throat> I have found this, that people, over the, over the years I've found, people will naturally gravitate to people who are on their spiritual level. Are you with me? <clears throat> right. <clears throat> For instance, youth group. <clears throat> if you, you, you could take our youth group when I was a youth pastor. <clears throat> we can go to youth conference, and we could drop them in. They're around a bunch of other youth at the youth conference. And if we have some that, I'll be nice here, that aren't as spiritual as the others, Daniel, you know what they'll do? They'll be hanging around those and the other youth groups that aren't as spiritual within 10 minutes. I'm not trying to be mean. People kind of find their level. I was in Bible college. And when I was, I was naive. <clears throat> I'd only been going to church for a year before I went to Bible college. So I thought Bible college was nirvana, whatever that is. Um, it's a, it's a group that, that, that my wife likes to listen to. But, um, <laughs> no, that's, that's not true. Um, and, and I just thought, man, everybody here loves God. And then I got roommates. And my roommate, my roommate was a pagan. I mean, I asked him, so I said, are you saved? Some of the stuff he did, and like, I, I'd go, and maybe I, was, I wasn't as, I wasn't as, um, kind as I probably should have been. I go in there and they're in our dorm room doing stupid stuff and I'm like, all of you guys out of here. I don't want you around me. Get out of here. Go do your stupid stuff somewhere else. Didn't make me real popular. But, but you know what I found? Even in college, you know what they did? <clears throat> they found their spiritual level. They found their spiritual level. 
You know, if, I, if I'm new and I'm trying to go forward in my faith, I want to level up, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find good Christian companions that when I'm around them, I want to level up. I mean, I'm talking, I'm like, I'm like, man, man, they're not, you know, it's not about following people. And that's not what I'm saying. But you understand what I'm saying. I'm just going to say, I want to be around people that when I'm around them, it just challenges them to be like, you know what? I want a better walk with God too. And so let's be careful. Let's not just find somebody who, who will, you know, just tell us what we want to hear. Right? Because here's the problem. <clears throat> if you want to hang around those that are, are fringe, and they're not really, you know, they're just, they're just here because, I'm not going to say they're playing the game, but, you know, they kind of want both things, and maybe they're not as serious as they should be for whatever reason. That's not mine to judge. <clears throat> but what happens is God starts speaking to you, and you want to level up, and they're there to pull you down. They're there to keep you. Not on purpose. You'll say, man, I'm just thinking of this, and they're going to give you some type of non-spiritual counsel through their conduct. You'll hear their criticisms. By the way, if someone's critical, just, just, that's, that's something you just, need to, you just need to grab a parachute and head to the exit. Who you hang around with will determine who you become and what becomes of you. <clears throat> Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So God says you have two options. <clears throat> if you are around wise people, You'll catch some of that, and you'll start becoming wise. But if you are around foolish people, you will experience destruction. It doesn't necessarily say you'll become a fool, although that'll rub off on you. But you'll be around them, and you'll be in situations that are going to cause issues as well. <clears throat> Let's hurry. <clears throat> Number three, because of, he didn't listen because of debilitating pride. What did Moses tell him? In Aaron, in verse 3, humble yourself. Well, people that are proud will not humble themselves. And Pharaoh's like, he'd come before him and just say, get out from my presence. Get out of here. I don't want to hear it anymore. Pride. <clears throat> I am so glad that I, I don't struggle with pride anymore. <laughs> you got that. Thank you for catching that. Okay. We all struggle with pride. None of us want to be told we're wrong. Nobody, none, of us, none of us want to be called out for being wrong. I coach for many years, our teams. And, and <clears throat> I get on them because I hated to lose. I mean, it was just I, you know, well, we're playing for love of the game. Man, I don't love the game. I love winning. Okay. Well, you know, you learn more from losing. Let's teach. Okay. I just hated losing. And I could be a little bit um, mm, prickly. Needy was on my team. I made every girl on the volleyball team cry at least once this season, except for Needy. <coughs> and if you remember this, we're right in the middle of a playoff game, and she did something. I'm like, time out. And I said something. I made you cry. I'm like, really? I finally got her. Okay. <coughs> but you know what? I'm going to give Brother Jim credit. I remember one time we were playing a football game. We were playing one of the upper echelon teams, and we were the best team in the league. We, we proved it that year. But we're playing, and you know, the guys are not playing like they should. And so uh, if the guys didn't play like they should, they like to be challenged. And so I just call time out, and I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? Blah, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. But, you know, <laughs> I called the guys in. I'm like, what are we doing? Some of these plays are just dumb. And I'm like, you, like you, Charlie. 
and I chewed him out for something. I don't know if you remember this. And the kid next to him kept trying to raise his hand. I'm like, put your hand down. I'm, gonna, I'm not talking to you. And I chewed you out. And Brother Chim said, yes, sir. And then after the play, when they were going back out, one of the kids came to me and said, it wasn't Charlie, that was me. But you took the hit for him. Charlie didn't stand up, but he shut up like a pastor. That was him. But, you know, some kids, you pull them over and say, hey, what are you doing? Oh, like, you know, you know they throw the ball out of bounds. Well, my teammate should have caught it. Well, your teammate is not 20 feet tall. That's a bad pass. But, but you know why we do those kind of things? We don't like to be called out. And there's one person that ought to be able to call us out. God. And we ought to be careful. Pharaoh, and it was hard. <coughs> Pharaoh was considered a, a little G God in Egypt. So imagine him. He did not want to give in. Let's make sure that we don't, we're not pride. We don't, we're not proud. Proud is, proud. Pride is a killer. Kills our relationship with God. Psalms 10.4 says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. And by the way, that, we may not go to that extreme, but you know, there's some areas of our life we won't let God in those thoughts because we already know what we want to do. Come on, let's be honest. We're human here. We're not perfect. Kills our relationship with others. <clears throat> Proverbs 13.10 only by pride cometh contention. I'm right, you're wrong. Well, you're wrong, and I'm right. And you won't work it out. There are people that they haven't talked to people, an individual for a long time. Can I just tell you something? That is bad. You ought to try to work it out. Okay? But sometimes we're proud and just like, nope, they're wrong. I'm done. You're dead to me. Move on. That, that's a really bad attitude to have. No one should be like that to us. Kills your relationship with life. <clears throat> Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low. When you think you're, you know everything, you're never going to learn anything. And I don't know about you, I got a long ways to go. I got a lot to learn. And so do you. And so what we need to do is humble ourselves so we can accept what God wants to give to us. Number four, <clears throat> because of Pharaoh didn't listen because of proposed compromise. Verse 11, he says, now, <clears throat> not so. And Moses' thing was God's like, we're all out of here, brother. God said, release everybody, everything, we're leaving. Verse 11, now go, not so, go now ye that are men and serve the Lord. So the guys can go. And then in verse 24, after the darkness, that was the ninth plague, Pharaoh said unto Moses and said, go ye serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones off. Okay, take the kid, leave all your stuff here. God said, no, no, everything's going. He tried to compromise his way out of it, right? He's starting to see that, hey, I, I, gotta, I, I, gotta, I gotta start listening. And, but he couldn't even follow through on that because he's like, instead of listening and going all the way, he wants to compromise. Let's just do a little bit. Let's just ease the conscience. Can you not, can you not see how that's how we are? Right? Come on now. We don't want to, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. We, we, we don't want to give... <coughs> 100%, so we, we compromise. Well, Lord, I'll do 
this. And because I'm doing this, I'm okay. And because I'm doing this, it excuses me from doing that. Compromise. We ease our conscience, so we'll go part way. Some type of compromise, some type of little movement, but we will not completely commit. Do you know what God was? God doesn't want you to hear something come down the altar and say, oh God, <clears throat> okay God, you're dealing with me with this and I'll make a deal with you. I'll do this part of it, but I won't do the other part. That's, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Because the part you won't do will keep you from doing the part you said you would do. Compromise, listen to this, <clears throat> is used by us for the purpose of keeping ourselves from total commitment. You see that? We want just a few areas where we backtrack. We want just a few areas where we don't. We're comforted by a little change, which in turn allows us to continue in our current course. Here's what God wants, you ready? <clears throat> he wants 100% obedience. God is not open to negotiations. Doesn't work that way. <clears throat> Most of us want a, here it is, and I won't go through it. You can see it in Samuel. He, we want a Saul commitment. God says, okay, you need to take out the Amalekites. I want you to take everybody out. I want you to kill everything, animals, king, all of it. Get rid of all of it. Don't take anything. So Saul comes back. Samuel comes back. Saul says, hey, we've done the commandment of the Lord. And all of a sudden, in the background, it's, bah, bah. Saul's like, hey, hey. Samuel's like, uh, what was that? Oh, well, that was just the best of the flock. You know, the people brought them so that we could sacrifice them to the Lord. No, no what did God say? God said, no, there's no sacrifice. You leave them there. You take care of that there. You know why he made that compromise? Because that's what he wanted. And that's what we do. Compromise is partial obedience mixed with partial rebellion. And that's not my words. God told Saul, that's rebellion what you did. When we choose, listen to this, and it sounds harsh, but it's not me, it's not God. So, so if we don't like this, we can take it up with God. You know, rebellion is, is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion is like when I choose knowingly to do something I want and disregard what God said. That's, that's, that's in essence rebellion. We all sin, I get it. <clears throat> we all have moments where in a moment we're mean or we do this and it's just something that happened and we get right with it. But when we have a chance not to do something and we make the, the mental choice to say, no, I won't listen, that's rebellion. That's, that's next level. You know, we comfort, our, I'll come to church, but you know, most of the time. I'll open my Bible some of the time. I'll tithe of my income, you know, occasionally. I'll, I'll not do, here we go, I'll not do bad sins. You know, there's just some shady things over here. You know, like a white lie. I don't know what a white lie is. Is it when a white person lies? I, I don't know. There's no, it's either a lie or it's not. You know, I'll, we, you, here's the last one, we'll move on here. I'll not be immoral, just only in my entertainment. We can justify anything. Number five. Because of emotional inconsistency. Emotional inconsistency. Verse 28. 
And Moses said unto him, Get thee from me, take heed to thyself, see my face no more, for in the day that thou seest my face, thou shalt not die. Okay, now look, come on now. That's nine plagues in. And, and he's going to go on an emotional tirade against Moses? The stuff that was happening was not man-made. It was of divine origin. And you're going to step up and have this emotional outburst? How many bad decisions have been made by emotions? Let me just say this. If you're emotional, you're inconsistent. And all of us are. I understand that. But some of us, we just, we live in emotion. And emotion is, you know what emotion is? It's this. It's up and down. And I understand to some degree we're all up and down. Don't get me wrong. But some people swing wide. I mean, they're a mile that way. Next thing you know, they're a mile that way. Emotions are great. But do you know our emotions should be regulated by Scripture? Right? What does the Bible say? Be ye angry. Pastor, that's my favorite verse. I mean, I sign Bibles. You know, be ye angry, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> what does it say? Be ye angry. You know, there are things that make me angry. Fords. No, I'm kidding. The price of a Big Mac. You know, there are, look, when our government says, hey, we ought to be killing unborns, that makes me angry. But I'm not going to go blow up an abortion clinic. That's, that's, that's ignorance. What, look, do you see what, you know, our government is so out of control. California just passed a law that stores have to sell gender-neutral toys. That is, yeah. That, that's like saying, hey, uh, Dress Barn has to start selling suits. Okay? By the way, who would buy a dress at Dress Barn? Think of it. Anyway, I'm still moving on. We've been there, right, hon? I've taken you. But they never have anything I like. Um, you know, men's three-day suit factory has to sell dresses. Just, and that's not a big <coughs> But we're, we're just ignorant. But we don't, we don't let our, we, we, we get angry about the right things, but we react in the right way. Right? That's our problem. And so we let our emotions out of control. No, let God control our emotions. James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know why we're double-minded? You typically are emotions. Yeah. Genesis chapter 49, verse 4, he, said, he told one of his sons, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. We live in a time when, <clears throat> you know, if so, we hear something we don't like, you triggered me. Well, then take the bullets out of the gun. That's a, that's a you problem. You can say something to me I totally disagree with. I'm not triggered. Now, when I'm behind this desk, I'm going to tell the, the truth from the, from the word of God. But you come, to, if I meet someone uh, out in person and they're, I disagree, I'm not triggered. Like, okay, I don't believe that. I'm not going to be a jerk about it. We hear something we don't believe. We're intolerant. You don't even know what that means. You know, now we hear a, a hard truth. I need my safe space. You know why? Because <clears throat> our society has told people to live by their emotions. And so 
they can't handle stuff that's truth, number one, or that goes against, that's, that's in opposition to what they believe. If, if everybody believed the same thing in this world, that'd be a miracle. It's never going to happen. But our emotions take us out. And our emotions keep us from doing the right thing. You know it's true, right? Facts don't care about your feelings. And truth should never cause trauma. Then lastly, <coughs> we're getting done early. Here's one. Because of temporary relief. Because of temporary relief. Look at verse 19. <coughs> and the Lord turned a mighty strong wind, which took away the locust, and cast them into the Red Sea. And there remained not one locust at all the coast of Egypt. They did devastation of the crops. God says, fine, we're done with them. He took them away. So how, this is his response to everything, right? Instead of saying, God has given me grace, I need to do what he said, here's what he does. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go. Pharaoh's heart said, I don't want to do it. God said, fine, we'll just keep you there. You see what happens? We have, we have things going on in our life because of situations we brought into our life and things aren't going well. And a lot of times that will trigger people in the right way to come to God. I need help. And then what happens is the pressure's off for a little while. And what do people do? Oh, hey, no pressure. Maybe I overreacted. Maybe I don't need to become Mother Teresa. Okay? Maybe I don't need to go overboard on spirituality. And then what happens? Just another problem's around the bend. It's like the story, <clears throat> the man, he's, on, <clears throat> he's working on the roof, and he slips and falls, and he's sliding down the roof, and he's going to fall to his death. He's several floors up. And as he's sliding down the roof, he's like, God, help me, God, help me, please. And all of a sudden, his clothes get caught on a nail. He's like, oh, God, I don't need your help. I got this. Maybe God brought the nail. Remember, though, it's not about the nail for those of you that know the video. But <clears throat> a little relief. Look, just because God speaks to you or just because something goes on in your life because you brought something in, just because things calm down for a little while doesn't mean we may not need to work on what's going on in our life. Don't let the temporary relief stop you from, what you're, what, from, from, from getting the help you need. Do pe don't people do that with their health? You feel pains? I remember it was probably 15 years ago. I was just I was feeling these pains in my chest like regularly. It wasn't like, and I'm like, oh, I need to go see the doctor, right? And then I, it'd go away, Robert. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. And then finally, I'm like, okay. I, I don't tell my wife stuff because they're like, all right, you know, 7,000 vitamins. And, you know, you can only eat water for the next six months. But I told my wife, and I went, and I got a, 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 all the EKG and all the stuff. And they're like, you're good. You're good. Then I went, and a guy gave me some, some supplements. He goes, three days, it'll go away. I was like, I'm not saying supplements are a miracle. Two days it went away. I have no idea what he gave me. But uh, I felt really good. Slept for like days. Anyhow. But, but the point is, we, some people, they, they feel something, right? And they wait until it is it's too late. Because why? Well, I started feeling a little bit better. I mean, I know I got this knot on my head the size of a softball, but I feel okay. We do that spiritually. Hey, I was having these troubles, but you know what? Everything's better now, and what happens is we get, we get comforted by that, not realizing that if we don't fix 
what caused it in the first place, it's just going to keep coming back, right? So what's the point? <coughs> the point is, how long will it take before we allow God to get to us? Now, I'm going to say this. I don't think anybody in this room, unless you're hiding something, I don't think you're a feral level anti-God. I don't think that. But, you know, all of us need to be on guard, right? And all of us, if we're not careful, little things will start sliding into our life. Things that maybe nobody else knows about, but you know about. And so God's going to speak to us because we're saved. What are you going to do? Are you going to do a Pharaoh? Right? Ignore him? You better be careful. Your heart will get hard. <clears throat> be careful if you have friends that are pushing you in the wrong direction. Be careful for your pride, which says, no one tells me what to do. And we would never say, God, you can't tell me what to do. But in essence, we do that in our life. Don't settle for compromise. I'll do a little, Lord, but I'm not going to do everything you want. <clears throat> don't let your emotions, emotions are great, but don't let emotions keep you from doing what you're supposed to be doing. And if there's temporary relief, that doesn't mean you've changed. You still have to deal with what you've got to deal with. Point is, you know the best time to deal with things is when God brings them to our attention. Don't, don't, don't let, you know, it's like, it's like a marriage, right? <clears throat> little things happen. You don't discuss it, you don't deal with it, and they start to add up, and over the years, it's like, well, you know, I got... it's because you didn't deal with them when they happened. Deal with issues. Deal with issues in your life. Don't let them build up. Let's stand together tonight, if we may, please. Thank you for listening. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a minute, please, if we may. <coughs> I don't think anybody here is at feral level, but maybe you are, and you're hiding it. Maybe there's some areas God's been dealing with you about. You know you, need to, you know you need to make some changes. And God's specifically told you what some of those changes are. You know. Deal with it. Deal with it right away. Don't let it build up. Because when we let those things build up, it, 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 it affects our relationship with God, which is the key to getting over those things. Keep it clear. No one's saying that you're ever going to be perfect, right? That, that, that's not how it works. But you got to deal with things when they come your way. Or else you get to hard heart. And all these other things come through. Maybe God spoke to you about something tonight. Pianist is going to play. If God spoke to you, come to this altar. <clears throat> I'm not a big sinner, I know. But maybe I ought to just come and say, God, keep my heart open to you. Lord, show me. If there's something in my life that you want me to work on, I don't want to get hard. I don't want to, I don't want to suffer the consequences.